It's Mother's Day. So I say to all the women in this place this morning, Happy Mother's Day. For those of you who don't know, the idea of Mother's Day was born in a small little church in West Virginia in America. It was 1876, the year, and there was great um, turmoil in the nation. They had just come through the Civil War, and there were many, many ladies who were mourning the death of their sons who had been killed in the war. There was a certain Mrs. Anna Reeves Jarvis who, while teaching a Memorial Day lesson, thought of mothers who had lost their sons. And she had a particularly heart-rendering prayer that day that one day there could be a day that mothers who had lost their sons could be specifically remembered. And that prayer made a deep impact on one of her 11 children, whose name also happened to be Anna. And young Anna <clears throat> had witnessed how her mother had tried desperately to hold together the community and the church that had been split uh, through the Civil War and kept that alive in her heart that one day there could be a day that mothers who had lost their sons could be specifically honored. Then on the May the 12th, 1907, there was a local observance in that specific church and town that was held <clears throat> to remember these mothers whose sons had been lost. Three years later, by 1910, Mother's Day was celebrated <clears throat> excuse me, in 45 states and also in Puerto Rico, Hawaii, Canada, and Mexico. On May the 8th, 1914, President Wilson designated the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. And specifically, he did so in those days for displaying the American flag and for the public expression of love and reverence for mothers of the country. So that's where Mother's Day comes from. Now, while the initial intent of honoring mothers who were no longer mothers... Uh, that is obviously lost in history. It's true that Mother's Day has obviously become a commercial spinner and all those negative things too, but it's still worth pausing to honor our mothers. Indeed, not one of us would be here today if we didn't have a mother. <laughs> You thought about that? <laughs> no matter what the transgenders are trying to tell us today, not one of you would be here if you didn't have a mother. How many of you have still got your mothers? Can I see a show of hands? Oh, that's just amazing. I thought you were all old. <laughs> Most of the church still has their mothers, and that's incredible that you have this opportunity to honor your mothers. So... While Mother's Day was actually for mothers who were no longer mothers, there are also those here today who would have liked to be mothers but who aren't mothers. So I want those of you who are ladies here today and always long to be mothers, maybe you've never married or maybe you married and you never had children, the original Mother's Day was actually for mothers who were no longer mothers. So for those of you who have never had children, and those of you who are perhaps still waiting to have children, to you today as well we can say, Happy Mother's Day. So some of you might have had 
terrible mothers. Some of you might not have even known your mothers. Some of you have, might have had the best mothers out you could ever possibly imagine. But we are here to, to honor all who were born with wombs. <laughs> all these wonderful creatures that God has designated females. We are here to honor you today and to recognize you um, in your role as a mother. In fact, the Apostle Paul's directive to Timothy goes like this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2. He says, treat older women as mothers. <clears throat> doesn't say treat those who have children as mothers. He says treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. There's a final Jewish proverb that goes like this. A child without a mother is like a door without a knob. It's not possible. <laughs> you, know, you can't open it. You can't do anything with it. Uh, so this wonderful species of woman we're here to honor today. I must just say to you that those in the office will know that I dislike these days intensely because I hate being forced to find scriptures to back up something that the world has designated as something we should celebrate. <laughs> I'd rather come from the scripture and tell you what the scripture says to you than try and find some scriptures to fit in to what the world is saying to you. But I'm going to do the best I can do this morning. Besides, it's biblical we should honor our parents. Amen? And obviously not just one day of the year, but every day, all day. Commandment number what says honor your mother and father? <clears throat> five. Commandment number five. The first three commandments regulate, or well, three maybe, four regulate God. No other gods, no idols, don't abuse his name, okay, blaspheme his name. Commandment number four, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And then we start the list of man-directed commandments, if you like. Number five, honor your mother and father. Six, murder, adultery, <clears throat> stealing, lying, and coveting would be the next few. So, <clears throat> parents, we have a responsibility to train and to teach our children to honor us. Mothers and fathers have a real biblical mandate issued in the Ten Commandments. As much as you are training your children to honor, to not to steal or not to murder and not to lie, you train your children to honor their mother and their father. That's part of the biblical mandate that God has given to parents. And unfortunately, most parents, not most parents, many parents nowadays, I see them not teaching their children to honor them. I see them teaching their children to abuse them, to misuse them, to speak badly to them. Our teachers have a nightmare in schools because children mostly no longer have any idea of what it means to honor your mother and your father. So for those of you who still have young children and not so young children, it's never too late to teach your children to honor you. If you taught them not to steal, if you taught them not to lie, if you taught them not to murder, then part of the mandate is to teach them to honor their mother and father. You don't allow them, you don't permit them to speak badly to you. 
You don't permit them to cheek you. You don't permit them to misbehave <coughs> or to dishonor you in any way. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that wasn't even the sermon. <laughs> yes, some thoughts today. Just a few thoughts. <clears throat> Number one, honoring your mother brings benefit to your life. Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we see this repeated. The Ten Commandments you'll find in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Honor your father and mother as long as, as the Lord your God has commanded you to. Those of you who still have mothers or fathers, and that was many of you, the biblical mandate command to you is to honor your mother and father. Whether you like it or not, whether you are old now or not, you have a biblical command to honor your mother and your father. Why? Well, the Bible says, so you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It's obvious. God says you honor your mother and father, you will live long and you will go well. Those of you who had disciplinary mothers will know what this command actually means because she would have explained it to you. She would have said something like, you do that. And if you cheek or do anything else, she said, I gave you life and I will take it away from you. How many of you had mothers like that? Praise the Lord for mothers like that. <laughs> See, honoring parents is God's pattern for a stable and a successful society. Why do you think teachers have so much trouble in schools? Why do you think our juvenile courts are so busy? Why do you think the jails are so full? It starts with this, honoring your mother and your father. If they just stuck to the pattern, I'm telling you, the jails would be a lot emptier than they are today. This is a commandment, and we've lost it. In modern parenting, we've lost it. I was speaking to somebody just yesterday, yesterday, day before, who said they don't even want to go and visit their grandchildren because they are so misbehaved. They can't, even, they can't stand there in the same room and watch their children behave the way they do. It's a disgrace that people have not been taught or not taught anymore to honor their mother and father. This is brought over into the New Testament where Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. Honor your mother and father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on earth. So congratulations to those parents here this, today who have taught this wonderful truth to your children to honor their mother, to honor their father. See, it's good for you and it's good for society. God's commands are often related to the society, to the community, to the good of everyone. Honor your mother and father because it's good for you. There are some benefits. Second thought today is that dishonor is really a sign of the times. 
dishonoring mothers and fathers, it's really a sign of the times. Second Timothy, Paul writes, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Selfies, Instagram. I don't know why you do that. What, what is it about sticking your lips out as far as you can? <laughs> this makes no sense to me. Lovers of themselves, you know. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Oh, but you're talking very exclusive stuff here. Yes, I am. God is a very exclusive God. God is not the inclusive God that everybody wants to try and talk about. The God of love who accepts everything and everyone. He's not that God. He has laid certain rules and certain regulations and certain standards. It's called holiness. And anybody who doesn't meet those standards has a destiny awaiting them worse than death. Called hell. Terrible times, Paul writes, disobedient to their parents. This mass dishonoring of parents, I think, is a real sign of these last days. This having a form of godliness, perhaps, denying its power. Bible says it has nothing to do with them. Talking about the power, the power of God, we sometimes get so confused. The power of God is sold as the mooing of Roosters or the crowing of cows or the other way around. Do you know what I mean? We talk about the power of God as speaking in tongues or doing this. It's got nothing to do with the power of God. The Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. That is the power of God. The power of God is the gospel of God. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. That's the power of God. Let's grow up in the church and not see the power of God as somebody falling over or somebody jumping up. or some, That's just immature, very often wrong-spirited stuff. The power of God is the gospel. It's the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are all born into sin. That the heart is wicked and deceitful and beyond cure. And without a savior we have no hope. That's the power of God. 
when God is able to transform that life that is destined for hell, transform that heart, take out the heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh, and have that person's name written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the power of God. But that's not the message for today. Dishonor is a sign of the times. It's a terrible, a sign of terrible times of the last days. Proverbs encourages us, my son, listen to your father's instruction. Do not forget your mother's teaching. Obviously, if they're teaching you the things of the Bible, if they're teaching you against the word of God, you have license here. But where they are teaching you the things of God, or they're teaching you things that are not against God, listen. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Part of the problem today is parents who didn't heed their parents now trying to be parents. I'm going to say that again slowly. Part of the problem today is parents who didn't heed or honor their parents who are now trying to be parents. And the snowball effect of unrighteousness that that has upon homes and society. It doesn't mean squat for you to teach your child it's wrong to murder, to lie, to steal, to cheat, or to covet. If you do not teach your child to honor their mother and their father. Okay. So, I'm just saying. It's a sign of the times. Thought number three. Disobedience reaps terrible results. <laughs> the Old Testament law demanded death to the wayward child. You know that. Again, it would have been for the sake of society at large. Listen to what the Word of God says. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, Discipline doesn't have to be beating. Discipline can be any form of discipline, but just discipling that person, putting them into a box, making sure they obey. <clears throat> if any man has that person, his father and mother should take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the town gate, at the gate of his town. They shall say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. So you invoke the community. In our case, you would invoke the church community. Say, help me. He is a prolifigate. Prolifigate's just a fancy word that means riotous or given to excess. Some translations translate the word glutton. So he's a prolifigate and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town shall... Stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel, again the community, will hear of it and be afraid. That sounds drastic. Imagine, I mean we couldn't do that under our current legal system. And I'm sure you've often thought about doing that to your children. I mean who hasn't thought about... <coughs> yeah. I've told you often that I know that a toilet bowl is only so big, it's slightly smaller than a child's head. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Again, it's for all Israel. It's for the good of the community. Jesus in Matthew chapter 15 says, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? God said, this is what God said. Jesus saying, this is what God said. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. That's Jesus. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. That's Jesus quoting from the Old Testament. Then he says, but you say. So he's saying, this is what God says. But then this is what you say. <clears throat> you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he's not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. What God had said was clear. Honor your father and mother, and if you don't, there are consequences. What the people had said, well, they had cleverly, the teachers of the law, they had cleverly circumvented the law, claiming that they, in this instance, could not financially assist or support their parents because they had dedicated a certain sum of money to God, and God was more important than their parents, therefore they couldn't support their parents financially. See how wicked people get? They would not support their parents. And they blamed God for not supporting their parents. To obey always reaps terrible results. Proverbs 28 says, He who robs his father or mother and says it's not wrong, he is a partner to him who destroys. You dishonor your mother and father in any way. You become a partner to the destroyer. You become the devil's mate when you don't look after, honor, obey, etc. Whatever level of life you're in. If you're at that stage of life when you, that you, your children are out of home and perhaps your <clears throat> parents are you know, in financial need and you choose not to support them, be careful. You're entering a realm you don't want to go to, blaming God for not caring, not honoring, not supporting. Thought number four this morning, God's will for children, and we've said this how many times, is to honor their mother, but specifically. Proverbs 23 says, listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she's old. Let's face it, old ladies can sometimes be really difficult I mean, there's no old ladies in this place, so I can say that. And even online, there's no, no old ladies watching me, so I'm, I can say that. But I mean, <clears throat> you get a difficult old lady, you got a difficult old lady. I mean, they're they, they uniquely, uh, I wouldn't say gifted, but, <laughs> you know, maybe wired. <laughs> it can be an easy place to land to start thinking, oh, I wish my mother would just... I wish my mother would just, oh Lord, just, uh, you know. Proverbs says, don't despise your mother. Doesn't say only if she's a nice mother. Doesn't say only if she always behaves herself. Doesn't say if she doesn't interfere, you know. Don't despise her. Jesus is our perfect example towards his mother. We see the Christ hanging on the cross. 
Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene, and Mary Magdalene. Verse 26, And when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that would have been John, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Isn't that amazing? Here's Jesus hanging on the cross, facing his worst hour in all eternity. And his concern is still for his mother. He cared and provided for her. And friends, we should do no less, especially those of us who are following Jesus. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. <clears throat> this is a damning verse for some. It says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Isn't that a bit scary? Anyone who does not provide for his relatives, and especially his immediate family, that'll be your mother and father and your children, maybe your sisters and brothers. He has denied the faith worse than an unbeliever. It's always God's will to honor your parents. Last little thought this morning. Mothers, now mothers, it's, the onus is on you. The challenge is to you. Mothers should love, care, and pray for their children. Naturally, mothers do want the best for their children usually. And the best that you can ever do for your children is to never stop praying for them. Sometimes we ask for things that are not God's plan, and he can deal with that. We have the story in Matthew chapter 20 of a mother who was asking for things that she should never have been asking for. Mother of Zebedee's sons <clears throat> came to Jesus with her sons leaning down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. I mean, this is a mother who just wanted the very best for her children. So she wants one of her sons this side and one of her sons that side. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said, you will indeed drink from my cup. Uh, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. So mothers, if you're asking and you sometimes think you're not asking the right thing, it's okay. He understands. And you're not going to get, you're not going to hear. But you're not going to get what you're asking for where it's not according to his will. The mothers tend to have these super powers and often project this onto their children. I remember when I was a teacher here in a local school, there was a 12-year-old boy. In fact, he might have been 11 because he was one year young for his grade. He used to come to school every day stinking like vitamins. I, couldn't, I didn't like him ever coming near my desk. It was just vitamins. And throughout the day, he would just be sucking vitamins because his mom wanted the best for him. He eventually ran, I think a year later, from East London to King or King to East London. And there was a big wah, wah, wah in the local Kai Mercury about this wonderful young guy who had run all the way from East London to King and Barra. It was a mother who was 
So if you sometimes feel like, you know, it's okay, God understands. In fact, somebody has said, if evolution is true, how come mothers still only have two hands? Good one. I read the story of a man who came home from work one afternoon. <clears throat> he found his four very young children outside. They didn't have a fence. They were just outside. Still in their pajamas, playing in the mud. They were filthy. It looked like a war zone. And he thought, wonder what's going on here. Toys scattered across the lawn on the driveway. And then he looked and he saw his wife's car's door wide open. And the front door of the house was also wide open. Surprised at this, he rushes inside and he was confronted with the evidence of complete disarray. Everything was just all over the place. There was stuff lying on the floor, a lamp had been knocked over. Nothing was ordered. It, just, it looked like somebody had broken into the house and had been looking for something. The TV was on loudly blaring. The family room was littered with clothing and toys. It was just disaster. He moves very quickly into the kitchen, and there he sees the sink filled with dirty dishes. Breakfast food had been spilled on the counter. The fridge door was standing wide open, and food was scattered all over the place. Now he's concerned. He feared the worst he frantically began calling and looking for his wife. He ran up the stairs, stepping over toys and more piles of clothes, and he was worried that she might be ill, or worse still, that somebody had come in and something had happened to her. He rushed into the bedroom, and there he saw her. She was still in her pajamas. She lay curled up on their bed, reading a book. She looked up, smiled at him, and said, how was your day, dear? <laughs> Completely bewildered, he looked at her and asked, What happened here today? Again, she smiled and answered, You know, every day when you come home from work, you ask me what in the world I do all day long? Yes, he said. She answered, Well, today I didn't do it. <laughs> Mothers are... Super moms. I love this picture here. Mom, we've hired a few people to fill in for you while you relax on Mother's Day. And there's a nurse and a doctor and a baker and a cook and a washer and a taxi and a, all the rest. Paul tells Timothy, moms, what is a good example? 1 Timothy 2, I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. The focus is on a godly woman. Not on the external, but on the internal. Titus chapter 2, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good, to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. 
Moms, today we're here to honor you, but you have responsibilities that are so big and so large and so huge that it's only God that can help you to navigate through what He requires of you today. Again, our message today is to those who are moms with children, to those who have had moms and still have moms, and even to those who were moms to their husbands, in a sense, who never had children. I conclude with a reading from Proverbs chapter uh, 31. A wife of noble character who can find she's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat amongst the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. Many women do noble things but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive Beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Amen.